So are we starting over? I was confused for a good 10 seconds there. <laughs> yes, we're starting over, Luke. Yes, we're starting over. Okay, so this is a kind of a really cool deal because we're podcast nerds, and back in the day, this is how you went and found other podcasts was by trying to check the iTunes Top 200 podcasts under a specific um, genre, if you will, worthy religion and spirituality one, obviously. So this is pretty cool. Uh, from the bottom of our hearts, this is this. I mean, in in the grand scheme of things, this is absolutely pointless. But for us, this is really cool, and we, this would not have happened without any of you guys. So thank you so very much from the bottom of our hearts. This is, um, I was honestly speechless for a good five minutes. Besides saying "Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit" over and over again in a text at a Gomer, and uh, on top of the fact that. I took a screenshot of it in iTunes and then circled the Sunday sermons from Bishop Barron and then ours and then showed how ours was ahead and then sent that out to everyone that I knew on Facebook. <laughs> but for some context, we're like 12 spaces behind uh, psychic teachers <laughs> and about <laughs> 130 spaces behind Catholic stuff you uh, I should know. So oh, I hate those guys. I hate no, there's them. no way. They're so good. Oh, they're they're so, so good. good. So good. So good. I mean, I, I realize by by hate, you just mean they're so good. So good. So uh, not a big deal to everyone else. Very humbling to us, honestly. Thank. This is like so. When you give us a review on iTunes, it helps. It does things like this which helps other people find our podcast. So everyone who's written a review, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everyone who follows us on Twitter, um, on our Facebook page, uh, Catching Foxes Podcast, that's on our Facebook page. On Twitter, we are at C Foxes Podcast. Uh, I'm at the Luke V. Gomer's at Lay Evangelist. Thank you guys for all the for all of the messages, all of, of the mentions, all of the comments, the questions. We haven't gotten any like negative stuff in a while, so that's been kind of cool. Yeah, except for that one guy saying you didn't listen to Greg Iwinski's interview. Oh well, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> of which you responded on Facebook. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I know that was kind of mean, but I'm I'm not angry about that. Um, we are internally. Uh, humbled and blessed to be able to do this. Uh, the fact that people are uh, that people are actually listening, that people care about what we have to say, it's just fantastic. And the opportunities of this is starting to. I don't know. There's some great door. I don't know why I breathed in so heavily there. Have fun editing that. Um, sorry, I've just been blabbing on, but this has been great. Thank you guys from the bottom of of our of our hearts. This is this has blown away any of my expectations. Yeah, so do you guys remember iTunes? Remember that used to be the program that you would launch, like, first when you turn on your computer? And now it's so bloated you don't even want to touch it? And your, your iPhones and iPads... Sorry. Your iPhones and iPads basically do everything that iTunes used to do for you? It'll never well, be fixed. if you want to write a review, the easiest way is actually to do it through iTunes on your computer. And if you don't have a Mac, why are you listening to us? Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no. But seriously, rethink your life. <laughs> You've been making some poor choices. Quit drinking Miller Lite and typing on Adele, okay? Get your head together. <laughs> Listen, have some, have some standards, okay? 
have some standards. Oh, no, Luke, 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 Luke. We don't want them to have standards or else they'll stop listening to our show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Please. Um, Okay, be really shallow and extremely needy and get a Mac. Just give in. Get rid of your confidence. Uh, We know you could buy two computers for the price of a Mac, but who cares? (laughs) Yeah, listen. but But can you take your PC to a coffee shop? The answer is no. No, you cannot. That's a good point. That was pretty funny. Yeah. So any Luke, laughter at all there? Yeah, no one's laughing. The uh, <laughs> so what? Uh, what are we gonna do today? What are we gonna do today? We're gonna we're gonna dust off our catching foxes. A catching foxes. Easy there, Luke. Classic. We're gonna do ten minute topics. I'm actually gonna time it. I'm gonna pull out the old phone. Hey, Luke, can I go to the bathroom first? Oh, my gosh. If you guys can't tell, we've been talking for about an hour, so there'll be a lot of bathroom breaks coming up here. Luke, Luke, how about this? How about the first Hmm. 10-minute topic is you just talking to yourself? Well, it all started when I was five, and I was playing t-ball over at Riverdale. Uh, If you grew up in Dayton, you know what I'm talking about. We'd always stop by for Dairy Queen after my games. My games. And... um, I believe it was Marty Bradman and Joe Nelson. The voices I would hear calling the Reds baseball game. This is when the Reds were good in the 80s. But I was just a boy then, a boy of five, a slight speech impediment, a nice full head of hair. And a little bit chubby. I think that would just increase until I started to play sports. Then I got in 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 pretty good shape, and then immediately went away when I quit playing sports. Almost had a six pack for a bit. Those were the days. I'm gonna have a sip of my drink right right now. Bum, 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 bum. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Michael Gormley today, the heart and soul of catching foxes. <laughs> How are you? I missed you, man. Oh, it's man. good to talk Luke, to you. It's, it's good been to hear so voice. long. It's been so long. Well, it's, it's you know, honestly, one of the best parts about this is now we have an excuse just to talk every day. Every day. That's not true. Every week. Almost and, every day. Yeah, we, we, we text almost uh, every day, if you count the oh, WhatsApp group. Um, but it, it's been a while since we've talked just, just us. It's just you know? the two of us. You and I. <laughs> it's my favorite song time, of all time. To be a new dad, get so much more stuff than I have. Interactive CD ROM. Uh, remember that Will Smith. Just when did you meet Will Smith? Two of us lyrics. <laughs> I see the crystal raindrops fall, and the beauty of it all is when the sun comes shining through to make those rainbows in my mind. When I think of you, sometime. Oh no, I'm listening to the. Oh, son of a gun. Wait, do you want to know what's crazy? Is all of the college kids that pay attention to our show have no clue what the fuck we're talking about. Oh, man, Luke, I'm going to have to edit that out. Why? It was a blatant, horrible use of of the F word, completely inappropriate. Hey, so let me just start off by saying the opening lyrics I was reading was the original from Bill Withers. Much more poetic. The one from (laughs) Will Smith starts out. Now, Dad, this is a very sensitive subject. That's how the video started. 
from the first time the doctor placed you in my arms, I knew I'd be. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! An ad jumped right on top of my lyric viewing. That never happens, except all Wait, the time. Wait, what happened, dude? This is what infuriates me about websites. They are so desperate to make money, which I understand, that they literally ruin the reason why you're there. I just had an ad, so I'm like zoomed in because I'm kind of far away from my iMac. So I have. I'm zoomed in, and an ad covered my entire screen. A pop-up ad. Oh, the worst. Speaking of that, starving children in Africa. Humboldt. Humboldt. Hey, really quick, can you hear me okay? I mean, still sounds like you, so it's never okay, but yeah. <laughs> no, because I could, I could barely hear you and I forgot to uh, plug in my ethernet cord into my computer so I'm going over the wi-fi but I think we'll I think we'll be okay oh Luke what are you doing to me what is this amateur hour Uh, apparently what is this the crunch hey (laughs) (laughs) I love it actually those those guys are awesome I love making fun of them though it's great nice nice did you see them at the meetup yeah I did they're really I mean they are good dude like good young good just like they're real into the debate. They're young. They're sexy. They have their whole lives ahead of them. Are they in their 20s? They, yeah, like one's like 19. Oh, I hate them. I hate them. I know. <laughs> they're like, and they're like just doing, like, they're just, I mean, they're just really good guys. I, I mean, and they have a really great podcast. So if you don't pay attention to that, uh, it's called The Crunch. Sometimes I wonder, I wonder what you got to be. A general, a doctor, maybe an MC. Ha <laughs> ha! I want to kiss you all the time. <laughs> I forgot about that that part. Oh man! Do you remember when Will Smith was everywhere? But I will test that butt when you cut out a line. True dad. Uh, 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 why you do okay. that? I try to be a tough dad, but you making me laugh. Crazy joy when I see the eyes of my baby boy. Holy crap! I'm about to cry. Oh my god! I gotta get out of this. <laughs> Do you spank your your kids? Uh, yes and no, mostly no. We mostly no. we were we were like yeah we are conservative parents who are invested in discipline, <laughs> and, uh, and then we, we really love Republican. <laughs> we love corporal punishment. Um, so in terms of virtue formation, when people are incapable of forming themselves, they respond only to external formation. So you have to lay down what is acceptable and unacceptable. My kids, one of the first words they learned was the word inappropriate. Because sometimes it's cool to say the word but. But at the dinner table, it's not cool to say the word but. Luke, when you have start, you know, like having kids and all that stuff, the word but is your key to comic genius with your children. <laughs> you just say the word but or butt cheek. When they discover the word butt cheek, the, thank you, Moana, it is the greatest thing ever. Um, and you're an instant hit. However, my we we started spanking with Katiri, our oldest, and Cecilia was 15 months younger than Katiri. Uh, but we quickly stopped. Like it didn't have the desired effect of what we wanted at all. Like yeah, I mean, like you have to. Uh, here's my deal. I use corporal punishment when I'm waking them up to what they're actually doing. Right. So I might like. I take my two fingers and I'll whack them on the hand, like not really hard, but so that it like snaps them out of it. If they're not just going to put their hand on the burner, but if they're shoving kids, you know, I make sure I'm in their space. They see me 
and I'm definitive that what they are doing is they are not allowed to do it. And you know what? They don't do it. They don't. Hmm. They, they start to learn because they don't know. They don't know. And all you have to all you have yeah. is when they're that young is moderating pleasure and pain. That's all they understand the world through. And their mouths. They put everything in their mouths. So uh, we spanked. I regret spanking. I would say probably 50% of the time I regret spanking my oldest kid. I, mm-hmm. I like literally, I have literally teared up thinking about how I parented my first thinking I went too far. Now, any anyone, even people who are anti-spanking would never say I was abusive. But I personally feel like, you know, and, and it literally was an article I read where this woman said, I watched a man hit his daughter four times, spank his daughter four times, saying, stop hitting your sister. And it, when he said that, I realized, and when I read this article, that you are doing the very thing you're telling them not to do. Mm-hmm. And I just, I lost all resolve to do it. Me and Shane. Now, we've, we're not morally against any and all corporal punishment at all. But we almost never, ever, 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 ever do it. And let me tell you, with my son Noah and my son Thomas, and even a little bit with Cecilia, the, se- uh, the, the second born, we've not, I mean, number one with Cecilia, spanking did nothing. She would, you, she would like cry for like literally, literally 10 seconds and then just go right back to doing it. And you're like, huh. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> huh. That's not what I was told. And now that they're older, Kateri and Cecilia, they're five and six, respond a thousand times more to taking away th- or like aspirational goals. If you do this, if you're a good kid when you go to the doctor and you come home, I'll let you play with the iPad for 10 minutes. Literally, that's all it takes. But they're still externals, right? But now you're forming them internally to aspire to goals. And that's huge for me. I, to me, that's a huge shift. Like, pleasure, pain, pleasure, pain. I do this thing, mm-hmm. pushing kids, fine. Well, that's, I mean, that's how you change habits. It's by a rewarding yourself when you do the thing you're trying to do as a habit, and then you have to punish yourself when you don't. Like, I've noticed... Um, <laughs> yeah, and like huge... a, you have to punish yourself like a naughty, naughty boy that you are. <laughs> so I know. That's, that's a really, like, odd way to explain that. But so, for example, when I had to take all of my meds for my stroke, I could never remember uh, um, to do it. And I, and I did it for half a year, every, like, every day. And it, and it was still hard for me to remember. Oh, well, crap. I forgot this. But um, one of the things that I'm doing to try to try uh, to lose weight is every week if I count my calories, I put five dollars into an into an uh, uh, an envelope, and and when I hit my desired weight, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of soccer jerseys, <laughs> and it's been like it's worked so like I don't forget to do it at all now, you know, and just because like I have I mean it's a and that's what you do for like a you know five-year-old and his and his or her allowance but it's like that's how you build habits is by you have a goal and you have a reward when you hit that goal or you have a punishment when you don't yeah and you know the the reality is the shift between virtue education and you know punishment all that stuff is when it internalizes for the person and you say oh i'm doing this not just because i'm going to get punished because ultimately, this is for the good of my life. Now, mm-hmm. what I started realizing was a lot of times that I was 
not just using corporal punishment, but like yelling and getting upset and just losing my damn mind, is when I um, is when it affected me in a negative way, rather than forming them as a person for the rest of their life. So, mm. and it, to me, this was huge. This realization, like, I turn off your damn phone, Luke. <laughs> turn off it's, your damn phone. It's no, with I'm, Gomer. I'm timing our thing, and I just wanted to make sure that I could hear it, and then I got a text from, from Emily. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. How much time do we have? Uh, we have five minutes left. I started kind of late. Okay. So my biggest thing is when, uh, like, I want them to understand, like, goals and goal making, but when I am sitting on the couch and I don't want to get up and they're, like, screaming and fighting – I would like yell like in, like in my family. You have to understand is very loud. My my parents are from inner city Philadelphia, from big Catholic families. We've always even people from similar situations have always called us a loud family. We only have two volumes, loud and louder. Like literally, that describes my family. And so if you take that <laughs> and then my kids, I mean, Luke, you know when my parents got in an argument over nothing <laughs> when they were sitting in our dorm and you and Shannon were you. so like blown away. You got popcorn and just watched or just. I was like, I wish I lived on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> but in the Midwest, we just do this behind closed doors and are very passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah. My mom is sitting in a chair. My dad on the opposite side of the room in a, like a love seat. And we're all sitting on the couch, and my parents are just going, no, Don, that's not right. And they're just yelling. But they're not yelling at each other. That's what people don't understand is they're just talking loudly. My -hmm. mother-in-law, Luke, can I tell you the scariest moment of my life was when me and my mom were actually in an argument over Iran. And my (laughs) mother, very anti-war, Luke. I'm very anti-war. I know you are. And my mother-in-law, one of the only times she's ever visited within the whole context of, like, my parents and dinner and stuff, she stepped in between me and my mom. Literally, physically stepped in between and goes, okay, let's... And she clapped her hands and goes, let's think happy (laughs) thoughts. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with me. (laughs) And my mom's face went from, like, I'm I'm proving my point, I'm yelling, to I'm going to cut you. Like, her (laughs) face went stone cold. So in my house, what I've had to realize is I have my wife formed from the Midwest and me, who lived in the Midwest in Oklahoma, but really formed from Philly, the fires (laughs) of Philadelphia, um, that I will yell. I will yell like Mm -hmm. like a crazy person at my kids, at least I used to, because it bothered me rather than... Like, I, I have no problem yelling the way I yelled. As long as it builds with, like, quit fighting your sister. I'll yell at that. But, like, I don't know. Things that bothered me as me, like, I feel like I regret how often I lost my temper. I feel like it's really about laziness. Like, I didn't want to get up, walk over, pull them aside, mm-hmm. talk to them each. But, man. Well, it's, yeah. I, I don't think that it is lazy. Well, it's more of a no. selfishness thing. And not that you're being, not that you're, like, a selfish person. It's just, <laughs> Come on, it's not that you're lazy. It's that you're selfish. Oh. <laughs> it's that you're horribly oh. selfish. No, no. It's just that. Uh, okay, so when I worked in uh, the dorm with a bunch of high school kids 24 hours a day. One minute. Every day. Uh, I flew off the handle probably two times a year. And it was because I was just like, can't you tell that I don't want to have to deal with this right right, right now? Which is like a selfish thing. Like, I'm, I'm, that's, that's my job. That's what I'm there for. You know, and but like that's also that's just being a human being. So, 
I'm I'm honestly really glad that I have that experience out in a Eureka because I think I'll be I'm very prepared to handle kids in high school. Little kids, I have no idea. But <laughs> high school kids, I've like I've like already done it. You know, so it's kind of weird. But yeah, man, man, yeah, being a youth minister, I people are like, oh my god, just wait until they're in high school, and I'm like, I can't wait. Until they're in high I school. <laughs> I want my moody teen to be in high school because I relate to that shit. I don't get a two-year-old or a six-year-old. Oh, and I'm like going to embarrass the hell out of that. Oh, so much. Oh, so badly. Oh. I cannot wait. Do you remember? When, I still think one of, the, one of the funniest things we ever did was was when Emily was in high school and you <laughs> mean Adam got in a car and she was at like some party before homecoming and drove yep. by and honked and just went by a few times screaming Emily. <laughs> <laughs> she was so pissed off at us. <laughs> she thought she was going to be all cool and go out and get all drunk and stuff. Listen, um, listen, it's a full-time job to be a good dad. You got so much more stuff than I had. I got to study just to keep up with the changing times. 101 Dalmatians on your CD-ROM. cd uh, That's what he said there. Uh, See me. 20- I'm trying to pretend like I know on my PC where that CD go. But, yo, and just when you think it's super shallow and stupid, he says, but, yo, ain't nothing promised. One day I'll be gone. Oh wow, Will. Well, Will Smith there. Shit. Oh, here we go. We're done. Uh, Luke, next topic. All right, next topic is, and this is from Emily, who was a past guest, my little sister. She is pregnant, BTW. Oh, that's yeah. nice. So keep keep them in your prayers. I'm very excited about that. The world needs more carries. Um, so Emily asked us, do we think that John Abelushi is the best SNL cast cast member of all time? This no. is from a Rolling Stone article back in 2015. No. You say no? Why? No. Uh, I mean, I think he was awesome, but I don't think he was the best. Well, okay, so I, I, I completely agree with you. I'd say he's top five. Yeah, absolutely. But who's the best? Uh, you know, okay. So you got people, you got greats like Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy. Uh, Steve, Steve Martin was, was, he was not ever an actual cast. So you have, you have people like Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Dan was one of the first, uh, Dan Aykroyd was one of the first ones. He was actually like a really edgy comic at one point in time. Well, he was a a sketch comedy. And then he decided to make that weird movie about, Horror comedy and a mutant judge and his family. Did you ever see that movie? I have no idea what you're talking oh, about. Oh, man. I have to find out. Uh, no, I mean, uh, okay. Then he became, uh, then he was Britney Spears' dad in that one film in 2000. Dan Aykroyd? Mm-hmm. I forget. There was a film that she was in. I don't remember what it was called, but I, I just remember because I thought she was hot. Wait, what are you talking about? Uh, Britney Spears was in a movie in two, in 2000 and Dan Aykroyd played her dad. And I just like every high school kid during that time period was in love with Britney Spears. Nothing but trouble is the name of the 1991 movie. It is one of the worst movies <laughs> of all time. It stars Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, John Candy, and Demi Moore. It Interesting. Is terrible. A businessman finds that he and his friends are prisoners of a sadistic judge and his equally odd family in the backwoods of a bizarre mansion. Like, the judge literally, like, kills people. and It's like a horror comedy, but it doesn't really do quick. Uh, 
Crossroads was the name of that film. It came out in 2002, actually. Sorry. He was an actor in it, in the movie mm-hmm. Crossroads. He played, he was uh, Britney Spears' dad. And what was Britney Spears in that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, the, I, I have no idea. I remember seeing one scene in it. No idea. You know, it's it's always weird when, like, big act like big stars who can who can like who do their craft well so like those are all great comedy guys <laughs> like in a bad movie what uh i'm what just reading the at? subtitle of the i'm looking at all the photos number one the <laughs> photos start off with gasoline being at 169 that's beautiful <laughs> but it says the crossroads uh, hold on, the album art. Dreams change. Friends are forever. forever. <laughs> Especially when you're 17. And, um, and then there's a little triangle that says, featuring the hit single, I'm not a girl, not yet a I'm woman. Not, you know what's crazy? The girl from Guardians of, of the Galaxy was in that movie as well. Yeah, okay. the woman? Uh, Zoe Saldana. Saldana? Yeah. Saldana. Okay, so anyways, um, back to the topic at hand, because apparently we get off topic too much. Settle down, uh, Peter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Back, uh, okay, back so, to Will Smith. Just the two of us. <laughs> you and I. No, 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 no. All right. Um, so who'd be your top three then? Uh, okay. So, I mean, uh, here's the deal about SNL being like 40-plus years old is that it, you kind of identify it with your generation. So, to me, mm-hmm. Chris Farley mm. is absolutely one of the greatest of all. A God amongst men. Huh? He was a god amongst men, very Catholic. Yeah. Oh, man. I was at a, a church in New England, and the deacon, or no, the priest was like, you know, Chris Farley used to come to Mass here. And one day, the uh, about six months or three months before he died, he was here at Mass, and all these kids wanted to meet him, so I arranged a little meeting. And all these kids are like, oh, Chris, we love you, we love you. And he says, stop loving me, look at your priest, and fall in love with him. He does the most important thing. I do Jeez. nothing. You know? Yeah, I mean, he would go to daily mass and, and stuff too. Yep. He was, yeah, he he would serve. He would go to like uh, old folks' homes and stuff like that. Old folks' home. Who calls them that? I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, he'd go to nursing. It's horrible. I'd uh, go to nursing homes and stuff. Um, yeah, we actually have we um, have a buddy whose older brother was very good friends with him. I don't know if he wants us to say that, so I won't. Yeah, yeah. Like, but um, and he said like, yeah, he was a really he had a heart of gold. He's exactly what you thought he was. Heart of gold. So. Okay, sorry, we have we have uh, four and a half minutes left. Okay, okay, okay. your top three? Uh, I loved, um, was Chevy Chase? Or... Yeah, he was on for like one year. Okay, what about um, Bill Murray? B- Bill Murray was on from like year two to like year five or so. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, so mine is Bill Murray, Chris Farley, John Belushi, uh, probably in terms of Saturday Night Live, right? Not in terms of what yeah, they've done not after. not their uh, film career. Yeah, good because Adam Sandler. <laughs> I love that. Oh no, Listen, he's great up until two thousand like two. Um, Spanglish, Fifty First Dates. Those are good movies. I I I mean, when he tries to do a dramatic stuff, it's not bad. Yeah, I enjoy the one about a nine eleven or yeah, like the, the homeland. Right. One. He's, uh, what was that? that? Was, what, over uh, me? Something over me? Something? Rain over me. Rain over me. Okay, so Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live. Here, <clears throat> and that's <throat> is that my five? I think that's my five. No, I said three. <laughs> no, no it's, it's fine. No, okay. John Belushi, 
uh, Chris Farley, Bill Murray, um, Adam Sandler, and who I and, and Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Okay, That's five. So here are my top five. One, in my opinion, hands down, is Phil Hartman. He's the oh, best. Oh, I don't in terms, of, in terms of Saturday Night Live stuff, yeah, he's just like anything he's in, he's gold. Two would be Will I um, Will I am have Will Ferrell. I think he's <laughs> he's awesome. My third part would probably have. This is where it gets hard for me. So this is just me. Okay, so those those. So who am I? Who are my top two? I um had Phil Hartman, and then who? Will Ferrell, and then three. I'm gonna go with Kristen Wiig. Um. I just think she's freaking hilarious. Back. Third. Okay, so then the fourth one, this is really hard. Uh, I'd put Dana Carvey. And then... No, and I, you have I, to make a decision. Yeah. And so the really... So that... Oh, gosh, this is hard. I know. The fifth one... Because I, I, I want to have a person from the old cast because I just think they're so great. But I think I might have to go with Bill Hader. Because oh, I just again, he's one of those guys where every single thing that he's in is golden. Like even if it's a bad skit, he's great. He really, or is. he makes a bad skit good. Yeah, that's not a definitive list, but I I would say that the best ever is Phil Hartman. I just think there's just no one better. You know what? I'm gonna go. I I totally forgot about Phil Hartman. When he died, I did not cry because I was a teenager. But <laughs> I remember going to my mom and being like, hey, mom, Phil Hartman just died. She's like, what? Who's that? And I reminded her. <laughs> and then she said, and then she said, and then I said, he's the guy from Saturday Night Live, and he did like seven voices on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. He goes, how did he die? I know who you're talking about. How did he die? And I love news radio. News Radio is oh, still a, one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite sitcoms. And uh, you ever watch that, News Radio? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. I love it. And then I said, uh, uh, his wife killed him. And she goes, oh, oh, he must have been a horrible man. And I go, actually, his wife had a mental illness and she killed him. Yeah. And, he's, and she's like, oh, oh. And I was like, it's really sad. oh, you're the woman that raised me and that's your default position. It's all those. <laughs> you hate men so much. Oh, oh, your mom. When did you meet Will? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> when did you meet Will? Smith? Over the over weekend. the weekend. <laughs> I'll be adding that clip. Go on. <laughs> That's such a great clip. Uh, How much time do we have left? We have uh, twenty seconds left. Nail what it, other Luke. things? Huh? Nail it. Send us home. So my, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> and the and the SNL thing. Oh, so my that's it. I have nothing else to add. Okay. I mean, I'll tell you what, oh. Dana Car have you watched Dana Carvey's new thing? I, I did, yeah. Did you like it's it? It's good. Fifty <laughs> what is it? Like fifty is white heterosexual Something like that. I also you wanna say you wanna know who um I like from right now? Nope, don't give a shit because the timer went off. Is Leslie Jones. I she's she kinda has like one note, but she does it better than anyone else. Chris Farley had one note and he did it better than anyone else. Uh, he's a little bit more. Everyone's complaint about Chris Farley was he had one bit and he did it in every single thing, which is the fat, hilarious, throw yourself around guy. And she has one bit, which is more or less the loud, angry black woman. 
Yeah, who loves Colin Jost. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see her as Donald Trump? Oh, uh, hey, not baby. yet, no. <laughs> I just think she's so, like, I could watch her do a whole hour of just, like, jokes about Colin Jost. It's yeah. so funny. Yeah. So great. All right. Um, your turn. If, if, you don't, if you don't have a have a topic, I have one. Yeah, you go. I'm scared. Right. You go. So we're going to take a real, like, dark turn here. Um, uh, this actually might be too, too dark. How do you, as a teenager, like, how do you help a teenager process death? Uh. Like, yeah, this is real dark. Well, at our church, crazy that you say that, at our church, we just buried a guy who was, I believe he was 20. Um, great guy. Mark, uh, Mark was a college student at Texas Tech. He was an RA. He, they used to call him the youth ministry intern because every time he was in town during the summer, he was always present. Even though he had a job at the Blue Mug Cafe uh, in town that some of us would go to from time to time. And he was always our waiter, which was hilarious. He was a big giant of a sweet guy, and he died. Died. Uh, literally, his heart gave out while he was sleeping. That's so crazy. Yeah, so he just... He died very peacefully in his sleep, which is a way I don't ever want to go. I want to die violently over a long contracted illness so I can put my shit in order because Lord knows I need to put my stuff in order. Um, I'd like to die with an explosion behind me. So maybe I'm in the air. You're diving. Just maybe someone catches it on Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that you've cheapened the moment. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's it's funny that you talk about helping teenagers process this because... When you work with suburban youth, outside of their parents' divorce, many of them have not experienced acute loss. And so when grandma dies, grandpa dies, when they're in college, for many of them, that's the first time they ever experience someone dying. And most of them, honestly, are states away from grandma and grandpa. So they might have warm memories of them, but they, don't, they didn't spend daily life with them. Or anything close to that. So um, for me, a lot of the stuff is connecting. You know, one time there was this priest and an um, uh, evangelical pastor. This kid went to multiple churches, basically. His family was at multiple churches. And the priest gave, like, the world's worst sermon where he basically talked about himself the whole time, about this kid's death. And there was a, a church filled. There was, like, maybe... 400 teenagers at this church he just basically talked about himself the whole time and what death means to him and then the protestant guy gets up and quotes uh the psalm god dwells close to the brokenhearted and just emphasized how good it is to mourn how we need to grieve his loss among us and how it is good that we have each other to grieve over him Mm-hmm. And as a Catholic, I would add, and the funeral mass is an act of worship of God over this man's life, you know, because of this man's life. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, wh- listening to that priest give, and it's not my pastor now, this, this was years ago, but listening to that priest give this homily, I just, I was so sad. He missed mm-hmm. an amazing opportunity to really hit the note. What about you? So when I was in high school, uh experienced... Was it three people who died? Um, and it was weird because 
when that happens in high school, it was all in the grade ahead of me. It was really horrible. I, I, I can't remember if this girl died when she was in college and I was still in high school or, or, or if she was in high school still. But, I mean, I was friends with her. Like, well, I was, uh, we were more uh, acquaintances. But it was weird. The first time it happened, I was in 10th grade. I was in 9th grade, I think. And the guy who died, um, he was, I don't know. I feel I feel bad saying this, but he was a. I mean, to me, he was a real jerk. Um, like one time, so sorry. So I was in tenth grade when he died. In ninth grade, I was walking home from a football game, and him and his buddy were just hammered out of their minds, and they came up behind me and started just like hitting me in the in the back of the head. Like I mean, like just out of nowhere, came up and just like punched me right in the back of the head. Oh. And I was just like. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I mean, they, like, attacked me. Now, they were also hammered. I was in relatively d- decent shape, so all I had to do was, like, turn around and be like, no, like, you, you need to stop. But it was still kind of like, what the hell? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, and uh, it, I had a lot of, and, like, he tried, and just and then this other time, he, like, um, got real mad at us during this, I think, playing a basketball game, and he, like, tried to fight us, and so we just, like, walked away, and then he came over to my buddy's house, like, banged on the doors. It was just, like, it was just, like, he was just, like, a really messed up dude. Yeah. And in hindsight, as an adult, I can see that now, but at the time, I was like, that guy's an asshole. And when he died, I had this weird, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but I remember how my first thought was, like, good you know like because i was so angry towards him and i was like and I, now like when i had that or, i'm not like good sorry that would, that's that's the wrong thing but i was like well that's what you get if you if you're going to live a life like that you know and i had a lot of i mean almost like hatred and a whole bunch of bitterness towards towards him and my dad was like whoa what the hell you not react like like you know but it was it was hard because, like, I was so – I had such animosity towards this guy. And it was really weird to, like, process that and to, like it, – it, it really is – it's a testament to as a teenager, you're just really – you're all about – your brain is just about you. Yeah. You know, and that really was hard for me to go – like, a guy who was, like – borderline like cruel uh, to me like was in a horrible accident and like he died like his family's not I, I just kind of remember like it was really hard for me to see that his family was I mean again I was like 14 or you know whatever but it was hard for me to truly understand that his uh, family was never going to see him again yeah, yeah. and I think it's just I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I, that, that really paints me in a really bad light. So, well, I think everyone I has fourteen. Yeah, but. I think everyone has people. Maybe not exactly like that in their lives, but something like that. Like, I knew a guy when I was in eighth grade. Him and his brother. His brother was in. So when I was in, yeah. So when I was in seventh, he was in eighth. His his older brother was in eighth. So when we were both in eighth grade, he was a decent guy. When you were just dealing with him one-on-one. But if there was any reason he felt slighted, he was coming after you. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time, and I am I am known as Father Mike. I am not known as Warrior Michael. 
<clears throat> in eighth grade and my Catholic school of 15 kids. And he had done something really, like, mean and rude to me. Uh, and I said, come on, Jim, shut up. And I said that, like, kind of, like, casually, like you would say to anyone, right? Because when you have 15 kids in the class, you're kind of close to everyone. And I knelt down to get something out of my locker, and he goes, what the fuck did you say to me, faggot? And he kicked me from behind, kicked me while I was, I was, like, basically squatting down, getting stuff out of, like, the very bottom of my locker. And I remember my head went forward, and they were really, like, narrow lockers. I think literally they built them so that no human being could fit inside them. <laughs> That's another bad idea. <laughs> and I hit my head on the, and I had a huge head, too, on the locker. And I was like, ah, what the hell? And I turned around, and he's like, tomorrow, after school, I'm going to kick your ass in front of everyone. And don't you go running off like a baby to your mommy's office. My mom worked at the school. <laughs> sorry, why? Well, I, I love it. No, now. my I'm mom. Sorry. My mom worked at the uh, church office. She's the director of religious education, and mm-hmm. so her office was, you know, I mean, like thirty yards away at a yeah. small little DRE yeah. building. And uh, so, and after school, I would walk down to her office, get in the car, go home. And he's like, "You better not do that." And, you know, all these ex was all this horrible stuff. Faggot was every other word out of his mouth. Ugh. And uh, I remember the next day. I had gone to every person in the whole class. I'm terrified. You got to understand. I am terrified. This guy is, he's got like six to eight inches on me. He's mostly pure muscle. He's Scandinavian asshole, right? So I uh, <laughs> I am terrified. And this kid uh, threatens me. So all my friends are like, Mike, just go right to the office. Do not stay. But I couldn't. I, I had to get beat up. So as he walks up to me, I said, hey, Jim, he's like, you ready, Gomer? Are you ready, Gormley? And I go, yeah, Jim, real quick. And I saw a kid getting into his mom's car, and I go, he called you an asshole. (laughs) 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 Totally totally wasn't true. And he goes, he said, what? That son of a bitch. And then he drove away. The guy drove away. He goes, yeah, that's right. You better drive away. Whatever, Gormley. And totally forgot about beating me up. (laughs) Totally forgot. About two years later, or three years later, I saw him at a movie theater. He had gained like 100 pounds. His life was shit. His brothers, like their parents were, I mean, like broken home out the wazoo. And this kid, God bless him, he ended up dying. And my, (sighs) my first thought was, ugh. The world is better off without him. Like, that was literally my first thought. Because the kid was just violent. Mm-hmm. But then, like, exactly what you say is, you remember, like, wait, this kid had a freaking family that will never see him again. Mm-hmm. His older brother, who I knew, I wouldn't say I was friends with, but I knew, will now never be able to say, my younger brother was at my wedding. You know, like, ever, you know? So, that's... Yeah. It's yeah, it's hard. I I think it's I think we sometimes underestimate how childish teenagers are, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Like that they really we like we were kids, and we had we had uh kid we had you know kid mindsets where we didn't know what reality actually was. Yeah, you know, as much as like I, I there there are times when I'm like wow I really did as for like as a depressed as I you know thought that I was because I was so like oh woe is me sad music um, like I had a really good life I had great parents I had a really great family I had a I had a job you know I, I was at a great school 
I was in a beautiful city. I had a great life. Yeah. So it just, it's hard to see that. All right. Your turn. Uh, what do you think about the Johnson Amendment and its potential repeal under Donald Trump? <sighs> okay, so... Do you know in, anything about the Johnson Amendment? I know a bit. In 20 seconds, explain to our listeners what the Johnson Amendment is. Uh, in 1954, freshman Senator Lyndon B. London B. Johnson, uh, ha- as a freshman senator, had a- an amendment entered into the tax code saying that nonprofit groups could not... Uh, directly contribute to campaigns, nor endorse or or attack a particular candidate. Okay, Donald Trump has pledged to destroy the Johnson Amendment, saying that he would sign a bill to fundamentally alter uh, the church-state divide that has been constant in American politics since the fifties. So basically, if you're a tax-exempt entity, you are not allowed to engage in a whether directly or indirectly, engage in a political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to any candidate. So that also, so that's why your priest can't endorse a particular candidate from the pulpit. Or specifically, why, bishop. specifically, ministers are restricted from endorsing or opposing candidates mm-hmm. from the pulpit. If they do, they risk losing their tax-exempt status. Do you think uh, – okay, so let's – Let's tackle this from the so from uh, well. Sorry, let me get to the first part of this. I understand this to a certain point, but then I think if a canon is truly evil, you have a moral obligation to speak out against it. And if we lose our tax exempt status, we lose it. So one of the difficulties with this is the shift between Republicans and Democrats in power in the White House. Because I believe that if this were at the time of George W. Bush, because it covers all 501c3 groups, mm-hmm. uh, it covers all of them, all nonprofits, all churches. If it covers that, and but a nonprofit can't say, yes, we endorse, or no, we don't endorse this or that candidate, um, one of the things is that restricts freedom of speech. It really does. It restricts freedom of speech. But at the same time, at the same time, you can understand why someone's saying, well, you're a nonprofit. You're dedicated to, you know, building community. You're dedicated to helping, you know, people without money. You're dedicated to propagating your own faith. You're not here to get involved in leveraging, you know, you don't want, like, let's say, American Red Cross to say, I'll only give you blood if, or while you're giving mm-hmm. blood, or uh, getting blood, say, you know, you really need to support Trump, right? You don't want that, right? And, like, this is what people would – I mean, this has been done in our past where you would have non-profit groups. Like, this is why Catholics voted as Democrats for the longest time because when they got off the boats, who was the party to help them? When they got here, the Dem- the it was the Democrats, and it was, you know, politicized. And also, Republicans were tied to the Yankee movement of people who mm-hmm. were violently anti-Catholic. Exactly. A thousandfold anti-Catholic. <laughs> With- Watch Gangs of uh, New York. Gangs of New York is so appropriate to talk about Catholicism in America as well as immigration. Like, they're, yeah. like they just throw rocks at elderly women's faces, and we're like, oh my god, why did we put that in there? Because that shit happened. Right. Yeah, that's very, like, 
they get the tone of that era so well. Yeah. And so so just to kind of point this out, the Johnson Amendment, if Trump has promised to destroy the Johnson Amendment, now he can't destroy it because it has to go through Congress, and it would have a bunch of Republicans and Democrats alike fighting him. Now, one of the most conservative uh, American blogs you can find is CatholicPhilly.com, which is the blog area uh, for, um, what's his name, the, the Archbishop there, Chapu? Not Chapu. Mm. Is it Chapu? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, and it, well, it's like it, it it took over their their diocesan newspaper, but he goes and talks about like the the guy. His name is John Garvey. He's like, listen, actually, it probably would be fine keeping everything as it is. Like, I don't think it really hinders what we are doing. Like, th- there there should be a healthy mixture or a healthy forbiddenness between the mixture of church and state. And I agree with that. I think just blanketly hoping. That um, yeah, he's the president of Catholic University of America in Washington. He he's not really against it, but he's saying, but here's the deal: it would there's some good things that would happen in that the Catholic Church doesn't really align with either Republicans or Democrats, so it would give mm-hmm. people freedom to endorse individuals rather than political parties. Although, let's be honest, I don't know if you saw that video from that priest in like Arizona or whatever that got sent through the. Through everywhere, even my own church shared it, and I was like, "Why did you share that?" But he ba- he basically said, "You have to vote for Trump. You can't vote for Hillary without using anyone's name." Mm-hmm. And he made it about the abortion issue, which okay, I understand. But then he talked about he like it. Bo- it pissed me off to no end. Anywho, but the actual bill itself does not does not does not with a capital and the bill that's going before the Republican Congress does not repeal the Johnson Amendment. So Trump is saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy it. But the actual amendment going from the alliance, defense, whatever, they aren't all in favor of repealing it. They just want slight amendments to it that would, uh, change, that would defend the pulpit a little bit more and allow for a little bit more freedom. And one of the reasons is, if all these Democrats are going nuts over it, they should not. Because it was like, like eight out of every ten uh, African American churches said that their pastor told them to vote for Hillary. Mm-hmm. You know, so this isn't a right wing thing. It really isn't. But one thing too is there is a lot of talk on people uh, who identify with Democratic policies. I guess who are you know very. Um, anti a religion sorry okay so there are let me i want to choose my words care uh very cautiously here um there are people on the left who also happen to be or so so people who are extremely anti a religion who happen to be on the left who want to get rid of the church's tax exempt status and that would be bad that would be really like the church could not. It would be bad, very, 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 very bad. And I think this is an area where you want to compromise on. Yeah, because you've 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 got to keep that. And if that you know happens, I mean that you can't endorse one candidate. Well, that's fine. They put out like voting guides and stuff and say, here's what we think in terms of like how like what like in terms of like how should you. Here's what your 
conscience should be telling you about these issues here. Like, this is the church's stances on this stuff here. Um, that's fine. But, like, we cannot lose our tax-exempt status. And it's way more, that's, in my mind, that's way more important than be able to endorse a candidate. Yeah. Yeah, my um, my biggest thing is, you're, you're right, I think, I don't know, because I feel like it's a lot like Germany today, where Germany gets not just tax-exempt status, the church there, but they actually receive tax dollars, mm-hmm. um, 10% of your income uh, via the federal government. If you say, yes, I'm a Catholic, they take 10% of your income immediately. And so... Um, I think in one sense, yes, you're right. It will absolutely cripple the church as such if our tax-exempt status was taken away. People need to understand responding to the Ricky Gervais of the world. Oh, yeah, you don't want gays to be treated special? You mean like the church and their tax-exempt status? The church is a nonprofit. It's treated the same way as nonprofits, except for the fact that the IRS generally tries not to go after churches. That's up to the IRS. That ain't up to churches. So I think that there, there's a good thing because before 1954, churches could talk about this. This hasn't been something that's been a part of our church until the, or part of our country until the Johnson Amendment. Okay, So you had people endorsing candidates for the almost 200 years of, the, of America. It's only since 1954 that we haven't done that. And so I do th- feel like it, it, I think our country has culturally shifted like I'm totally fine with a a priest not doing that. In fact, half the time I feel like nowadays I disagree with them. But um, but at the same time, I do understand wanting to be like, no, I don't want I don't want church dollars going towards a candidate. And the mm-hmm. Protection of Religious Freedom Act or whatever, Free Speech Act that the Alliance Defense Group is behind, they don't want to do that. They don't want any money. So that's the part of the media distortion. No money from a church will go to a candidate. That's still illegal. But to give people the freedom to talk about candidates from the pulpit is not. That's what they want to make legal again. Hmm. Hmm. Um, one last uh, quick thought on on this because you heard the timer. Uh, I don't think – I do think, though, that if you have a candidate that is truly evil, you the church must speak out against it and take whatever whatever cross comes along with that. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Dietrich von Hildebrand and Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke against, by name, Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler mm-hmm. killed Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Dietrich Hildebrand, a Catholic, there was actually literally a Dietrich von Hildebrand plan of Adolf Hitler, and he escaped at the last minute. Um, but they these were two theologians who actively attacked Hitler. Thank God they did. Absolutely. You know, thank God they did. So, Absolutely. All right. Uh, we're at the hour mark. Do you want to keep going? or? I think we should do a couple more before your refrigerator yeah. completely takes over the <laughs> podcast. So sorry. Listen, and once we start our kick our kickstart, I can get a real mic. It shouldn't be too much of a problem. Uh, hold, hold doors, pull out chairs. Easy on the swears. You're living proof that dreams do come true. I love you, <laughs> and I'm here for you. Man, I are you okay? Next topic. Next topic. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I'm having a little bit of. I make a lot of jokes about. It. I'm really old, and I know that I'm not. But I'm having a little bit of a hard time getting older. Yeah, why? Right. So, 
if you do so, I think I've talked about this before, so I apologize if it's a little bit redundant, but I read this article about how a guy, he lives in Manhattan, he's from the Midwest or something, and he says, you know, I, and he is our age, he goes, I did uh, the math, I'm only going to spend about, about, you know, um, gosh, how many days was it, like 25 to 30 more days with my mom. Like, that's the amount of days I'm going to see her again. And um, that's, stuff like that just bothers me, you know? And just the fact that I'm like, man, I, I like, I kind of miss my youth. I, I do tend uh, to miss that innocence at times, or just that little, the um, a naivety of it all. Uh, I kind of miss that. Having a little bit of a hard time with that. I I keep encountering, like now that I do young adult ministry as a part of my job, which just happened last week, I keep encountering people who are in their 20s that I feel like should know more about life, <laughs> like the things that delight me. I do explain Voltron to my children. <laughs> my daughter said, Daddy, what cartoons did you watch when you were my age? And I said, oh, one word, my sweethearts, Voltron. And she said, what's Voltron? I said, well, picture five metal tigers or lions. I'm not really sure. <laughs> flying, were a confusing time. flying through space. I don't know why. And then they would say something, and all of the Voltrons would unite into Voltron, Defender of the Galaxy. And it was a person made up of lions that were made of metal. And she's just staring at me like, Dad, I hate you. And uh, I, I realized, like, there's so much. Like, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is now a big budget blockbuster movie. Yeah. For kids who have never seen the show. So it's actually, <laughs> so it's actually for people in their 30s. Okay, get this. It's for people it's 30 and older. Right, so I'm 34. For us, yeah, I'm on the I'm on that very like that was that came out when I was like in seventh or eighth grade. I never liked the show. I thought it was stupid, although I did watch a handful of episodes. But uh, the I quietly enjoyed it. <laughs> no, actually, I hated it. But um, but if you just think about it, they're making a movie based on a show when we were little, when we were like junior hires. Who's gonna want to? Who does that appeal to? And if they make it like stupid which it clearly is from the previews, none of us are going to want to watch it. they got to make it dark and gritty like Christopher Nolan's Batman, but not dark and gritty like Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. It's, I don't, uh, it's just weird. Getting old is weird in a really good way. Like At times, I wonder if I would not have a really hard time with this if I lived by my family and just saw them every week. That's true. But... But I, but it's, I, I think it's just also like, wow, like, I'm not young anymore. You know, I'm 34. Like, there are times when I will, like, do a thing that I think is just, like, really dumb. I'm like, dude, you could have a 10-year-old kid right now. Like, it would not be weird for you to have a, a you know, 10-year-old kid. And you're doing that. Like, I slept until, like, 10 o'clock over the weekend. I was like, wouldn't that be, like, that's so dumb. Why, like, why am I doing that? But like you can't like you could have a ten year old that would be the model that you w- would be giving a ten year old child. Luke, you're sleeping until ten because you still want to act like you're you know eighteen. Luke, stop shaming yourself. 
You sleep till ten for the rest of us who can't. You stop this. You stop this bull hockey. Okay? You be a man. You man up and you deal with the fact that you get to sleep till ten. And you know what I get to sleep till? Not ten. Okay? <laughs> Screw you and your 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 silly problems. Okay, you sleep really till was ten for me. So guilty about this. You sleep till ten for me. I honestly was like, dude, get your shit together. You could have a ten-year-old child. Is this what like the way you should be acting right right now? I really hope that like, your wife doesn't tell you, but she adopts a ten-year-old, and one day you're sleeping, <laughs> and that like at nine at nine o'clock, he's like pushing in your face, like, "Come on, I want to watch Quatwoons." <laughs> you're like, "Oh shit, is this really what it's like?" Be like, kid, in this family, we don't watch cartoons. We watch Alf. <laughs> we watch nothing but Netflix, and it has to be shows that <laughs> ceased production in 2001. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'm just having a little bit of a, um, not a hard time. Just like, wow, like I'm getting older. Um, like it's you know, and like we have, we have a really good friend of ours. Like you know, we have a mutual friend who is incredibly sick right now, and it is like when I see. Oh, yeah pictures of her it i mean it kills me like uh, and it's just like i don't want this to happen i mean like obviously and and, and like of course i'm an asshole because i'm starting uh, to make this about um me you know it just but this is what happens as we get older like just more stuff and just i mean and there's a lot of great stuff there's a lot of awesome things that that happen but you know it just uh it can be a little bit overwhelming at times Man, I'll tell you what, it, it really is, you know, and you notice certain things like, like jokingly, one of the funny things about being an adult is when you go out to hang out with friends, and I am an extrovert, I do love hanging out and drinking beer with my friends at these various establishments around town. I have a gritty, gross hole in the wall near my house. I have Deacon Baldi's other places. But when I go there, um, I still, in my mind, drink like I'm in my 20s. And I can't. And it takes so much out of me when I'm in my 30s. You know, and there was this funny little meme that's like, I thought I was still, you know, mentally, even though I'm in my 30s, mentally I'm still in my 20s. Until I partied with a bunch of 20-year-olds and then I realized, holy crap, I'm in my 30s. And it's true. <laughs> like, that notion is true. It takes me so long. And I'm not talking about getting drunk. I'm just saying, like, drinking a few beers takes a bigger chunk out of your life. Uh, of, like, a recovery and just being like, oh, wow, that was gross. Eating bad foods takes a bigger chunk out of your waistline, or rather... Heartburn? Yeah. Heartburn <laughs> is a thing! Heartburn I'm is like, a what thing! Is... I can't just drink hot sauce? This is weird. Yeah. And you used to do that, and that's why I hated you. <laughs> no, but it is... I mean, and, and like, honestly, I there are times when I've had this thought of there's so much beauty... There's so much good things in this world that I want to experience. I don't want to die. That's a good like point. I, I, re I really had that thought of just like there's you know, and I'm bummed. That I'm like I wish I could just read books and go to school again and and like and like really like learn things and take the time <laughs> to <laughs> not skip a class for two weeks. Oh no, <laughs> um, <laughs> Luke, you had the exact opposite academic career as I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Academic philosophy, um, academic philosophy. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, just this idea of like, there are so many. Like, I would love to study French film. You know, I would love that, and I, I don't have the time to do that. And there are times when I'm like, man, 
there's so much in this world that I want to see and understand and ex- and experience and I'm starting to understand that I'm not going to get to all of it. Yeah. And it, I'll be honest, it does bum me out. Yeah. Which I mean, first world problem. You know, there are people who are like are, you know, being kicked out of their homes and of their country, so Yeah. All right, next topic, Luke. All right. I got uh, it. I got it. I got okay, it. I go. got it. Go. Settle your ass down. You ready for this? Go. Ready? What are you reading slash listening to in terms of books? Oh, good call. So one of the things I'm going to do right now is I really, um, I've been obsessed with the art of manliness. And they have this great blog post for a thing that they are doing there, which is about uh, trying to just grow as a man. And I think they're calling it a strenuous age of just like, Learning, and so that they, they um, have this quote where they say, "When the culture pushes against you, push back." And so, uh, one of the things that I'm starting to do is I'm diving into how to read a book, and I want to read the great books because I want to be able to think. Uh, I want to. I want to be able to think critically more than I already am because I, I think that I can. I just want to do a better job of you're it. diving into the book how to read a book yeah which uh, which i've already read like Adler, three times it's very very good so that's one there are there are other ones but i will let you go and then we'll go back and forth on this okay so i just finished a book that i absolutely insanely love i'm on my second listen triple speed via audible app if you don't have audible you're doing do like triple wrong. speed I've tried. I just can't. Let me just say, I've started the book over again. I'm already on chapter four in the, uh, like, half hour before we started the show. It's on triple speed. Um, It's called Charles Montgomery Happy City, Transforming Our Lives Through Urban Design. Now, the reason why I am reading this book is because my buddy and guy from the episode Interview with a Beeping Thomas, Brian Jones, sent me an article uh, talking about it on Mr. Money Mustache, which is a, a growing website. Um, it's pretty awesome. But uh, so, Luke, I know you're no longer paying attention, judging by the noises in the background. Um, I'll wait. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Luke, I love large noises in the background while you're clearly not paying attention. I forget that my microphone picks up stuff. Your microphone literally picks up everything. I was like, I'll just quietly grab my book so I can remember which ones to mention. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, so let me talk to you, Luke, like a human being. So my buddy, Brian Jones, the guy from the episode. Brian Jones. Yeah, the guy from the episode interview with a peeping Thomas. He recommended, or he sent me an article from Mr. Money Mustache. I've never heard of this before. I haven't gone exploring the whole blog, but it's pretty decent. And uh, the guy talks about the the book Happy City. And the thing I love about Happy City, Charles Montgomery, Happy City, is that he lays out the fact that, one, the bullshit construction of American cities is actually killing Americans. It's making us worse hmm. people. That suburban sprawl, horizontal sprawl, is one of the worst things that can happen to a society 
that we as stuck-up snobs have in this is my own paraphrase have embraced this concept of my privacy my this my that that we've denigrated and desecrated public spaces so much to the point where we have we humbly obey our zoning overlords that have been in practice for 50 years that are they're literally destroying families it's just zoning codes are destroying families destroying community destroying all of this stuff because there's no public spaces for people to meet the only public spaces that exist outside of you know my na- my neighborhood so you got hundreds of houses one neighborhood sidewalks that are only laid out according to the grid the edges of the grid nothing cuts through the neighborhood you, there's no there's no great forested area in the middle of the neighborhood there's no gazebo park area in the middle of the neighborhood there's a splash pad now it's right around the corner from my house so i'm the lucky one but if you live where my f- coworkers live they have to cut th- they have to you know walk all these different blocks just to get around something that's right on the other side of some houses from them uh it's 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 terrible but the idea is this we have bigger homes we have moderate lawns that all we do is cut we don't grow anything in it we're not doing anything with our lawn. We literally are doing nothing with our yards. And yet, so many of us define ourselves by, like, success by buying the big home with the biggest yard we can get and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. But yeah. we live in HOA restricted up the wazoo things where we, we can't have things like, I mean, for many, you can't grow, have a garden in your front yard. You can only have a handful of plants in your front yard, most HOAs. And you can't have, like, chickens in your backyard. You know, you can't have any of that. How far, for most people, how far is it to go to a grocery store, a movie theater, right? How far is it to go to a a haircutting place? How far is it to go to, you know, they're not sustainable in terms of walking. And I never thought, because we live in such a driving culture, especially here in Texas, where everything's so spread out. But this guy goes through and shows how having everything centered on driving is destroying America. You'll add more lanes, add all the more Mm -hmm. lanes you want. At all the more lanes you want, you'll still, after a handful of months, you'll get right back to the same levels of traffic, and people are increasingly unhappy. Go. No, uh, I was just going to add that um, I was uh, surprised when I uh, when my car uh, died out in when I was in uh, Denver, how much I enjoy taking other light rail for like three months. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely loved it. And, and when people say, like, oh, the, I mean, the marketing from General Motors and Ford and all of them is car equals freedom. But the reality is, this is, the, this is the, these are the cold, hard facts. You own your car and pay for your car for 95% of the time when you're not using it. Mm-hmm. You and I only use our car 5% of what we actually, when we actually have it, right? So I drive to work takes me 17 minutes. Then my car sits there for like eight hours, and then I drive home, which takes me about 23 minutes, generally when I leave home or leave for home. And then it sits in my garage, and if I go out somewhere, yeah, it's like a 10-minute trip of this and that. And yet we pay hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for gas, for insurance, for all this stuff that we don't need. And that's not even accounting for it. Depreciation and it's making like that. absolutely and it's making us fatter. It's mm-hmm. making us lazier. I saw a woman today drive from an apartment complex to CVS and back to her apartment complex, and the CVS is in the apartment complex. 
We don't even yeah. think about walking. So there have been cities that will just say, you know what? We are no longer allowed to drive cars on this day of the year. And every year, for one day, there's no cars allowed in the core of a downtown. And you know what happens? People come out of their homes, and the streets become the new public spaces, like they were if you watch Westworld. Everyone's walking in the streets. Cars, That's a good point. Cars, streets are made for people, not for cars. That's and, a really interesting point. I mean, if you think about it. Okay, so streets existed in cities for hundreds of years, in American cities, for hundreds of years. When they started building cars and cars would hit people, it was the car owner's fault. General Motors and Ford got them to switch the law to blame the pedestrian. And now pedestrians were, and they assigned a pejorative term to it, jaywalking. And now they were only allowed to cross streets that they used to set up tables at and drink cappuccino mm-hmm. at and all that stuff. Now And have bazaars in and all this stuff. Now streets... Yo, you can only be on the sidewalks. So if you happen to live, if you're lucky enough to live in a walkable community where everything is within a 10 to 15 minute walk from your home, everything that you need, then what ends up happening is it becomes so dangerous. Like, I mean, kids, kids in my neighborhood, there's a school built attached to my neighborhood and kids won't ride their bikes there because the through streets are too dangerous and there's not adequate mm. sidewalks there. It's it's crazy. I used to bike five miles to my public school. And, I mean, mm. just tell me what a better place our world would be. Carbon dioxide emissions, all of that stuff. Son of a bitch. Yeah. No, it's a, like, legit issue. I, I, I think we're – I'm encouraged by the fact that we're starting to ask questions about is this a way – is this how we should be living a life? Yeah, you know, not... like, should we have our phones on us all all the time? Should we be as plugged in as we are? Do we like, you know, and just because yeah, it, it really is so. Um, that's a really good point about how like like when was the last time we ever hung out on, on a street? Right. You know, right. I and... think a parade in Denver was the last time that I did that. But I guarantee you, I mean, there have been oh. studies that were in U.S. like they, and it's illegal to do what we're talking about. But there have been studies mm-hmm. where people will just go ahead and do it, and they'll, through persuasion and media, they'll get, like, an exemption made for their town where they'll take over an entire street and intersection, and they'll just block it off and just make it walkable. And literally hundreds of residents will get to know each other. Hundreds will get to know each other. See, I, I, used, to, I used to mock local business. Because I'm like, well, if you can't cut it with Walmart, then you can't cut it. Walmart, woo! And I say people have all these, oh, Walmart, blah, blah, blah. But the problem is Walmart. dollar DVDs. Walmart exists because our suburban layout is the way it is. Walmart is drivable. Walmart is not walkable. Mm-hmm. And they have a, a sea of parking spaces in front of it because they, they know that everyone's going to come and walk or drive to us. No one's going to walk to Walmart. And the reason why they do that is because of suburban sprawl. We spread out horizontally instead of vertically. And you look at the medieval city. The medieval city is the perfect example. You have the shops down bottom, the apartments up top, and you have tons of co- of public or common land. And that's where people, you know, you have the piazzas in front of the church, in front of the town hall. You have all of this stuff. Those spaces matter. And Copenhagen, all the, it's a, the book is really cool because it goes through, like, real-world examples and says, 
It's not just about making people walk or making people bike. It's about doing all of the things, having public transport, having cars drive, about finding space for all of the things. But the main thing we need to realize is our cities are built for cars, not for walking, and that's destroying us. Hmm. Blew my mind. Uh, one quick thing I want to say, one book that I um, am reading is called oh, The Noonday Devil. It's about the sin of Asedia. They call it the, un, the unnamed evil of our times. If you're lazy, you should probably read this book because it'll rock your world and it'll help you see why being lazy is slowly killing you. Also known as Achadia? Yep. Uh, this is a this this I think have I talked about this before on other podcasts. You just mentioned the the vice before. Well, this book is uh, fan fucking tastic. So, are you being lazy you with your filter right now? Tell hell no. Tell me what you like about it. Um, just sorry, my um, uh, well, I don't know why we even do the alarms. Uh, <laughs> I'll trim out some of my ranting. Just go. No, 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 you're fine. Uh, what do I like about it? Um. It is really helping me to see, oh, like, this is what this does when I date. Because, like, I will daydream all the freaking time about what if I did this differently? How great would my life have been? I, you know, could have done this, this, and this. And it goes, this is what this does to you. And this is how you um, can fight back. And it also has helped me just to see, okay, so this is, like, this has been going on since the early church fathers out in of the desert. when they started to notice this. And I just, I see it in my, you know, own life. I, I see it in our society. Like, this is why when you binge on uh, Netflix, it's great in the moment, but afterwards you feel like crap. Or this is why, no, this is not, this is not the main part of it, but it's, you know, kind of there. It's, you know, it is a part of it when you if you're just kind of like having like a really like dull day and you're in, you know, a bad mood, one thing to help is just to like, like clean up oh, your bedroom. This is why. And just the importance of like, wow, we really do need to be active. Like we really do need to like take action, have purpose and really follow through with things, not be so tempted to just like feel good in the, in the moment. And I do that all the time. The biggest sin in America is somewhere along the line we change the word happy to the word comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I feel I yeah. feel that in my bones. That's what we've done. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I can't be in my car without turning on a, a, a podcast. Hey, that's different. You're a learner. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, like, I'm like, come on. It's, you know, a 10-minute uh, drive. I can deal with the silence, you know? Well, I, I will say this. A 10-minute drive on double speed is 20 minutes of podcast. <laughs> You're not wrong. I just can't do the double speed. I've tried. I can do it depending upon the podcast. So they talk slowly. I'll do like one, like 1.25 to one and a half. One and a half is how I listen to – is my default for all podcasts. <coughs> I see. When I hear That's a podcast, when I put it to one, one speed, I literally think they're drunk. It stresses me out, man. Hey, um, let's talk about that. Hey, everyone, let's talk about the movie. That's how it sounds like to me. Hey. No, but, like, the majority of the podcasts that I listen to, though, like, there are people who do it a lot. Like, they know what they're doing, so they're talking kind of fast, and it's already sped up anyways. 
Listen, I, I would imagine. I'm it, telling you, it just. I have never listened to Jason Snell not at 1.5 speed. Really? Okay, I will try it out with with him. But it just stresses me out. I tried. I really did. It's just <laughs> hardcore me history. Out. Hard, but I'm an auditory learner par excellence. That's how I learn. So, really, I'm more of a visual learner. So, I also really, really quick, uh, great book, Storm Kings, by my favorite author, Lee. Lee Sandlin. He wrote the greatest essay ever. About what? It's on uh, World War II. Okay. No one cares. It is the greatest essay that, no I've, that I've ever read. No one cares. No one it's cares. It's freaking phenomenal. No one It'll cares. blow your mind. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll edit all my super shit out. Um, but yeah, I got Amazon Unlimited for $9.99 a month. Are you, are you aware? Or Kindle Unlimited. Kindle Unlimited. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you aware of this? I- I haven't found any books. Don't on yet even that I've ever, really ever. No, it's awful. The reason why I got okay. it is because I started reading. I they do a, like a thirty day free trial, and so I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'll sign I up for that. the thirty day, and then because there's a handful of Catholic books, I recommend Liturgy and Personality. I think that's what it's called by Dietrich um, von Hildebrand, and um, what's his name? Father Bishop Robert Barron wrote the foreword to it. They just plugged it on their show uh, that we're higher than. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a show, not Take that, Brandon Vaught. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he annoys me. Go on. Fair enough, uh, because we're not him. Uh, but no, let me pull it up real quick. Um, it's called Liturgy and Personality by Dietrich von Hildebrand. Um, a Line Through the Human Heart by Father James Shaw. Um, Aquinas and Modern Science by Gerard Verschuren. Um, and The One <laughs> Thing uh, by Gary Keller. These are all um, books, and Desiring the Kingdom on Cultural Liturgy. Um, these are all books that are on Amazon Kindle Unlimited, and I feel like those are the only decent ones. So I started reading a crap ton of, uh, so two series of Kindle Unlimited books that are by Kindle published authors. You know, it's like self-publishing through their mm-hmm. Kindle store. And mm-hmm. it's sci-fi. I love sci-fi. I'm a sucker for sci-fi. And I started reading these novels, and I was like, oh, well, if I read, like, three, or if I read two, it's paid for itself. So I read six of one, and then I just finished book six (laughs) of the other. I realized that I read 3,000 pages in, like, 22 days. That's a lot. That is very, very While consuming audiobooks to and from uh, while driving. That's a lot. (laughs) That's so much. And as, Wait. and yet I haven't finished the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Although Johnny Cash reads the New Testament on Audible, that literally might be my next one. Are you serious? Oh, that's kind of great. And the man comes around. <laughs> you have five husbands. <laughs> and the one you're with now is not your husband. Dad is saying bass. Mama saying daddy. Hey, little brother with joy right in there. I shot that bad bitch down. <laughs> Cocaine Katie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> me and Luke just finished another episode. Useless, pointless, and yet somehow you listen and you love it. <laughs> it's time to end after we quote the obscene Johnny Cash lines. <laughs> <laughs> Cocaine Katie, sign it out for us. I'm Cocaine Katie, and I want you to write a review on iTunes. <laughs> I'm Cocaine Katie. I'm going to make sure to follow them on Facebook and send them messages and make them feel good about what they're doing. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> this white powder sure am good. But seriously, folks, <laughs> you should join us on Facebook. We got like 700 and around 760 uh, likes. You should come on. If you listen to the show, jump on Facebook. Just click like. It'll. We don't post like crazy people, but when we post, it's pretty much hilarious. It almost always fits either A, with Luke's personality, or B, with the show. Or me. <laughs> <laughs> or me going, <laughs> look at this random thing. What? Eh, I'm sorry. Yes. I tried. <laughs> no, you did it. You failed us. But no, I'm just kidding. Luke, Luke po- points us to his wonderful circa year 2001 Christian rock music. And the- <laughs> Gasoline Heart. Oh, it's the new evangelization. Shut up. Their mid-2000s are so good. We put everything um, everything that you love about Catching Foxes can be found on the Catching Foxes podcast on Facebook. So just search for Catching Foxes podcast. You got it right there. We really want you to come and join us because we think that it adds to the community experience. And if you read Zuckerberg's twenty-seven page missive on how Facebook can help <laughs> global community, I went to Harvard. I really did like. It. I went to Harvard. Yeah. But uh, I really did like his post. But you should join us on there, and we can talk about stuff that matters, like Luke. Yeah. Oh, was I supposed to give examples? Yeah, you're supposed to talk um, about something happened on March 8th. Oh, yeah. So on March <laughs> no, no idea that's where you're going. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, March 8th. No, but please follow us on the Facebook. On on March 8th, we're going to be doing a live catching, we're going to do a live episode of Catching Foxes in Houston, Texas at Deacon Baldy's. It'll be at 7.30, he said. So if you are, if you're basically within three hours of uh, Houston, Texas, you need to be there. Come and hang out with us, drink with us, chat, be in a community with all of us. We're very, very excited about this. It'll, it'll be fun. Yes, and if you... I'll say horrible things. If you... Horrible, uncensored things. If you are at... It'll be really great. <laughs> if you are at St. Mary's in College Station, you need to come. If you are at St. Lawrence in Sugarland, you need to come. If you are at Chris Prince Frank. of Peace in Tomball, you need to come. I'm going to say if you're in, if you're in a New Orleans, you should probably come. Let's do this. Let's do this, New Orleans. Quit being a slacker. Come to Deacon Baldi's. Let's drink some up. good beer. Some um, show up, New and Orleans. let's just do it. Let's just do it. Uh, I tried to book a guest, but it didn't work out because we. I probably waited too long to ask. Who was that? Uh, Danielle. No! Uh, is, I know she's gonna. She uh, has to sing mass. She was crushed. Um, but she's gonna. She's gonna come on the podcast though. So we're gonna have a guest. He said, "Are we?" Uh, yes. <laughs> Do we have microphones in hand and PAs? <laughs> uh, not PAs. We're just going to sit off to the side. We're not going to take over the whole damn bar. Oh, we're not? Oh, I, th- I thought that we were. I mean, it would be awesome if we were, but judging by the people on Facebook who have liked the <laughs> event, there are four people going, four people interested in going, and 11 people invited. So <laughs> There are two people going and five interested. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, I mean, I have... I have plenty of microphones for everyone. However, <laughs> listen, Joey's going to be there. That's all that matters. 
I like you have made me and Joey enemies, and that hurts my heart. I know it is. It's funny for me though. <laughs> it's funny for <laughs> me to pretend no. like you two hate each other. And my favorite thing was Joey on the Facebook page that we keep referencing wrote uh, what he put like, yeah, community. Luke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that was on my Facebook status, my personal Facebook status. Damn it. Okay, so we currently have who's showing up. We have three people going, five people interested. So you guys are great. Thank you. This is worth the point to get out there. No, actually, we're, we're doing a whole bunch of stuff while we're there, so it'll, it'll be fine. And anything else about this? I have, I have one more thing. That's all I got. Dude, next week. Can I? Can we say who we're going to be interviewing next week? Yeah, go for it. So next Wednesday night, you're going to be on this one, right? Yeah. Hey, we're going to be interviewing. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Aaron Aglesby, the drummer and uh, co-lead singer of Under Oath, and uh, he's in the he's in the Almost as well, and plays drums for Paramore sometimes as well. So. It's, in my opinion, the biggest guest that, that that we've had. I am such a huge fan of um, his of his music, and I just think this is going to be freaking fascinating. So, next week on the show, Aaron freaking Gillespie of Under Oath. That's crazy. Under Oath, man. Under Oath. How many of our audience do you think is going to go nuts over what you just said? I think there's probably 10% of people will go, holy crap. And then, then everyone else will go, huh? Luke, where can people find you? I'm at the Luke V, and we're on Instagram at catching underscore foxes. And you can find me in the bathroom <laughs> or at layevangelist.com or at layevangelist on Twitter. <laughs>